Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Jimmy Rex, author of You End Up Where You're Heading, The Hidden Dangers of Living a Safe Life. If you want to learn how to connect with the best, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I'm sitting down with a good buddy of mine, Jimmy Rex. Jimmy is the author of The Next Wave of Influence in Real Estate. He's sold over 2,200 homes since 2005, including 324 in 2019. He sold the most expensive home in Utah history at $32.5 million. He's also a seed investor in Nikola Motors, which is now valued at over $9 billion. And he's a big traveler, which is something that we will definitely be chatting about because he's visited 68 countries now. Um, guys, this is, this is a guy that I met at the mastermind that I'm in, and uh, we just kind of hit it off from the very beginning. He is a real estate agent and investor, which is something that my dad has been since the time that I was two or three. And uh, we just kind of had a lot of connections points there. And so I can't wait to get into this conversation. But first, really quickly, if you are a six or seven figure entrepreneur, and you know how much a podcast could benefit you, your brand, and everything that you're doing, but you just don't know exactly how to go about getting it set up, then have me and my team build that for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my 
podcast. Um, just a quick application and we'll have a chat to see if it would be a good fit for my team to build out the show for you so that you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients and getting more of them. And then we can focus on what we're good at, which is building really good, high quality podcasts. So travischapelcom slash make my podcast. Jimmy, what's up, bro? Thanks so much for joining me on the show. Dude, great to be here. Thanks for having me, Travis. Yes, sir. Let's go ahead and dive in and uh, build a little bit of context for those listening. So before all the real estate stuff, before the investments and everything else that you have going on, talk to us about 12, 13-year-old Jimmy Rex. What was life like for you? How'd you grow up? Dude, so I was the sixth of seven kids. I was the last of five boys. And so I was the one that was just, you know, the kid that's getting, you kind of got to fight for everything. You're scrappy. Like if my parents, my dad drove a 18-wheeler growing up for a long period of time. We didn't have any money and seven kids if he brought home groceries, it was a race to see who got, you know, first. And I very rarely got what I wanted. So I learned to really be scrappy and fight for things. And I was, I remember like one of my favorite stories, my sister tells the story, I vaguely remember, but where I guess when I was like nine or 10, I went to the grocery store and they had those like theater sized boxes of hot tamales. For whatever reason, they were on sale for like 30 cents or normally like a buck, you know? And so I borrowed 10 bucks from my dad bought like 30 of them, went door to door, made 20 bucks, gave my dad his 10 bucks back. And, you know, at age nine, I was already hustling and margins and things like that. So I've always kind of been a little bit of an entrepreneur, a little bit of a business minded kid, but that's kind of how I was as a kid. And in high school, I, my senior year, I won class clown. I just loved entertaining. I've always kind of enjoyed being around people. And I've been the worst social distancer ever for this whole quarantine. I (laughs) love being around people. I need it. It feeds me. And so anyway, long story short, that's a little bit of who I am. And we actually have a little bit of a similarity in the way that we grew up in terms of being heavily heavy into religion. Can you kind of talk about that and how that kind of affected your life in, in your career? Yeah, so I grew up in the Mormon religion. Whole family is very much, I mean, every Sunday, you know, you went to church, you did the thing. Um, and a lot of great things come out of that because, like, for example, a couple times a year, we'd get up in front of the entire congregation. You'd have to give a talk or bear your testimony, as they call it. And kind of you're speaking in front of hundreds of adults and things like that. I got a lot of chances to interact with adults. You know, you go on scout camps. I'm an Eagle Scout. So you're going, you're just trying a lot of different things, helps you be a more versatile human. But then there's also another side of it, right, is you're kind of living in this little bit of a bubble. And when I was 19 years old, I went on a Mormon mission. I went to Mexico. I lived in Monterey, Mexico. Didn't speak Spanish. You know, you go for two months, you study it, and you head down there. I spent two years going door to door for 10 or 11 hours per day trying to teach people about Jesus and the church and everything else. And so uh, you really, really learn a lot doing that. You really grow up quickly. And honestly, one of the best experiences I ever could have had. I'm no longer, you know, a member of that community, that religious community, but I've always been so grateful for that time I had when I went to Mexico because when I literally had to learn Spanish in a couple of weeks, I was going to go hungry. And I, uh, you know, had that opportunity to go and just, you're selling something that's very difficult and you're so much on the line and you're learning to, I think they lived off of 75 bucks a month, you know, and just all these different life principles that you learn. And so when I got back from that, uh, just put me in a very advantageous position business-wise. I remember my first sales company, they told us we had to go door-to-door for like five hours a day. And I kind of was like, why are we only going for five hours a day? <laughs> yeah, <And> that's it? <laughs> yeah, and everybody else laughed. They're like, no one's even going for the five, dude. If you get it for two or three hours, I'll be very impressed. I'm like, what is going on? And it didn't take more than three days before I was the number one guy in the company. I ended up buying the company off my old boss. We partnered together. I was the only one making any sales and there was like 10 people living off of it. So I figured 
there were some margins I was missing out on. So I figured that all out. And that's how I kind of started my first company too. I was I was selling steak and chicken door to door at age 21. I, I set up that company and ran that for a couple of years. But but yeah, so it was, I mean, I was I was always kind of a little bit ahead of, you know, growing up very quickly, I guess you could say. And yeah, uh, right. learned a lot of things along the way. What, at what point along the journey did you start kind of questioning the overarching principles of the things that you were taught growing up? Like, what was there was there ever a specific time where you were like, hmm, I don't know about this stuff? Yeah, and the, so the crazy part is, is I was all the way in. Like, I believed that one hundred percent. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, to give away nice two years of your life to 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 go to a different country, <laughs> yeah. like I, I would hope that you were a hundred percent in at the time. Yeah, and it was like, I didn't even have I didn't have much pressure from my parents. Like, two of my siblings didn't go. You know, like it wasn't like this thing that I had to go do. Um, I wanted to do that. Like, I was all in on it. To be honest, my entire twenties. I was all in on it as well. Like I was a virgin into my thirties, dude. Like I did the damn thing. Like I was a very good Mormon kid. And what happened is I started branching out. I started meeting. I always was, you know, I took a test one time. I said that my number one cure, uh, my number one motivation in life is curiosity. And Interesting. I was just always meeting different people all my life. You know, living in Utah, there's just, that's probably the lack, like literally where I live, Provo, Oregon, Utah is probably the least diverse county in the entire country. No shit. It's gotta um, be. And so, it's gotta be. Yeah, it is. It's like 97% white Mormon people. And so I started branching out a lot. I started traveling a lot. I started going and visiting all these places, some by myself, some with groups of people. And I kept meeting all these different types of people. And I'd never had a drink till I'd left the church for two years. You know, I was age 32 is when I kind of, what happened was I kept meeting all these people. It just kind of fell off. A few things felt wrong. And the church made a couple of decisions that I said, yeah, I just don't think an all-knowing, all-loving God would do it that way. And it really bothered me. And it started, I kind of, I remember the first time I said, I need to be open to the idea that there might be something else. That was as far as I could get myself to stretch at that point. But, but I started kind of researching. That, that right that there it. is it though, right? Yes. Like, that's <laughs> yes. That that most people will never, ever allow to happen. Like most yeah. people will yeah. never, ever consider that they could maybe like small teeny tiny percentage could possibly be maybe wrong. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed Survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters. Is, is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine 
is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at Indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. <laughs> you know, like so many people That's are just right. not willing no, to even entertain that. Well, even that was such a stretch for me to even say that was like a life shattering moment, right? And for sure. I kind of look back now and it's like you were looking at this map. This is what people, what I like to think in the religion or kind of in any religion are. I think this is what happens all the time. They're looking at this map and like, no, I see everything, dude. I'm telling you, I see the whole map. All of a sudden you're like back up a little bit and they pull their head back and the map just keeps going and going. They never saw any of that was out there. I think that's kind of what it was like with me a little bit. So once I opened my eyes, uh, I started doing some research and I, being a single guy, I was very successful in my career already. I had the time to study. And so I probably put about 800 hours into studying religion and my own religion and all these different things from all these different sources. And, you know, I ultimately came to the decision, like as true as I thought that was, I was that sure that it wasn't what I thought it was. Yep. And so the hard part was at that point, I had to reconstruct my entire life because yeah. one nice thing about religion for better or worse is they tell you who you are, where you're from, where you're going and how to get there. Yep. And when you take all that away, you have to come up with it on your own. And so I went on this four or five year journey where I was really trying to figure all this out for myself. And I'm, you know, for the rest of my life, I'll be on that journey, but I've actually been able to find a beautiful place and feel closer to the universe and God and all these things than ever before. But reconstructing that, I really seeked out a lot of mentors. I went and, you know, did a lot of stuff with Tony Robbins and I started working with a group that called the Operation Underground Railroad. They go undercover and help rescue kids that are being sex trafficked. And I had to really dig inside myself and figure out what I wanted my life to be about. And and what ultimately was going to be the purpose of me being here and, and kind of came up with some beautiful things for that for me. But it's, you know, I, I say most people, I mean, honestly, for most people, they're probably better off just staying wherever they are because it's a really hard path. I'm so grateful I went down it, sure. but you have to be willing to really rock your world if you're going to do that. And so I don't really necessarily tell other people they should do it, but I know for me, like the truth matters and like living my ultimate purpose matters. And so for me, I just had to honor that side of me that was, you know, wanting to know about that. And religion just provides that certainty where there may be uncertainty normally, right? Like it provides yeah, the answers right to the wrong, questions that we can't answer. There, you know? Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Regardless yeah. of what the truth actually is, at least you're certain about what you believe to be the truth, you know? I don't know about you, but I think it really helped me in a lot of different areas of my life in terms of leadership, even in terms of being a better salesperson and business person. When I kind of went through something similar to where what you're talking about, um, where I was questioning a lot of the things that I was, you know, that I believed. I, I think I was talking to my wife about this the other day. I think that it really helped me to be able to have empathy for other people that are in a situation where they believe that they have the truth 100%. And so I can, I think it enables me to have better conversations with people who genuinely believe the thing that they believe. And it allows me to, like, it, it taught me how to ask those people questions about what they believe in and how to, which only helps you in, especially in a business setting or, or in a sales setting. But I think that was just kind of a side effect. But now it's just kind of like, man, if I was wrong about something that I believed that much, 
what are some other things that I've been wrong about that I thought I was 100% right about? And it helps you kind of break through the barriers or some of the cognitive dissonance that, that you have going on inside of, your, uh, inside of your head unknowingly. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I think one thing that I learned through it all was things don't necessarily always have to be good or bad, right or wrong, right? Mm, like we want right. to put these labels on things like that's good, that's bad, that's right, that's wrong. And it's usually not the case. Everything's kind of somewhere in the middle of the gray. I think the secret to life is finding the beauty in the mess of that. Like everything, like if you can take off those labels and quit making something right, or even like the coronavirus right now is like half the people are saying like it's good, half percent is bad. If you can somehow like play in the middle and just go, look, this thing isn't necessarily good or bad. There's good to it and there's bad to it. And ultimately, how can I succeed in this scenario? How can I thrive in this situation? That's where you're going to gain power from as opposed to trying to make the other side see your point of view all the time. I literally spent two years going door to door convincing people that if you didn't listen to my message, this is the pathway to heaven. This is the only way to get there, you know? So, I mean, I get exactly what you're saying. Yeah. So, I mean, that's obviously a conversation that we could continue going down for hours and hours. So in an effort to to make this a little bit more about business and networking and relationships and those types of things, uh, let's get back into your story a little bit. Talk to me about your breakthrough in real estate, because I know you entered the space at a time where things were going really well, but then they immediately weren't going well anymore. So talk to me about that whole period of time for you and how you were able to come out of that and, and become one of the most successful real estate agents really in the entire country. Yeah. I mean, I started in 2005 and my first six months, man, I couldn't figure it out. I was back then. We didn't have the internet. You didn't have all these real estate coaches, these online mentors and people like, you know, I, I had no one to reach. I was literally going to the back of the realtor magazine and calling these 1-800 numbers to get training videos sent to me. For six months, I, I really didn't do very well. And then I hired, uh, I went to this seminar with a guy by the name of Mike Ferry and, and my mm. one of my closest friends in the world. I met him that day as a guy named Bill Pipes was teaching it. And long story short, they taught me exactly what to do. It's so funny. Like this is the secret to life in almost any business and almost any sales job, especially this is, this is it. This is what they train. It was learn exactly what to say and how to say it and then do that all day long. And it just resonated with me, I think probably because of my mission. I'm like, well, yeah, I had to memorize. When I was on my mission, we had six discussions we had to teach to people. And I didn't even speak Spanish. So I had to memorize sounds. I was literally memorizing sounds that made sense together because that's how I had to teach so that people could hear. So for me, hmm. I learned like at that seminar, that coach taught me exactly what to say. So here I am at 24, 23, 24. I just memorized every single objection you could possibly ever get in real estate. And then I really paid attention of how to, you know, a little bit of NLP and things like that, where like that, that language of sales where you really learn how to sit. And then I just did it all day. Like I was used to working hard and I actually had had a failed meat business before I got into real estate, I was selling steak and chicken door to door. And it actually ended up, my partner stole a bunch of money. I lost almost 150 grand. And so I had all this debt. So I was highly motivated to pay off that debt. And so what I would do is I would just work 70 for, for 2005, six, seven, I was working 70, 80 hours a week. Um, I literally had this suit and I kept falling asleep in my damn suit. Cause if I laid down at my house or sat down for even a minute, I was waking up the next morning. I was so exhausted, but and, you know, my first full year in real estate, that first six months, I sold like four homes. Once I hired that coach, my next six months, I closed almost 55 homes and was the rookie of the year for the Western United States. And then the next year I sold just me and assistant, I sold 98 homes. My second full year as a real estate agent was one of the two finalists on the Salt Lake Board of Realtors for the salesperson of the year. And it kind of took off. And because I had that early success, 
what really helped me was I got plugged into these systems like Mike Ferry. He had this group of, he called them the top producers. Mm -hmm. And it was basically any agent that he coached that sold over 75 or more homes a year. And this was back before there was all these teams. So there's very few agents that actually did that kind of volume. And we would meet once a quarter all over the country, like masterminds, just like we did in Los Angeles a few months back. Sure. But we're all sitting at tables sharing real estate secrets. And that was the most important thing I've ever done because I'm sitting there masterminding with these top agents are giving me all their secrets and be they're from Baltimore and New Jersey and Delaware and all these different places. So they didn't really care about some kid in Utah. So they're really giving me all their best stuff. Yeah. And I was just soaking up everything they taught me. And then I implemented it in my business. And yeah, I mean, you know, so that's how I ultimately got to the point where last year I, my team was able to sell 324 homes and be the number one, you know, in my County and, and just kind of really, but like it really took off in about 2010, 11, 12, because that downturn, I mean, it just completely wiped out everybody. And I just yeah. worked so hard during that time to just survive. Yeah. And thankfully I did. And by then there was, everybody kind of knew who I was because I was working so hard in that downturn. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say is obviously if you had a really good year in 06, then 07 must have been like a big kick in the pants. Were you able to keep up any sort of volume in like 07, 08, 09? So 07 was actually my best year of those first three years because I had a Utah was about six months behind California and Vegas. So we actually okay, had gotcha. a pretty good year. And then 2000. So to give you an idea, the year I sold 98 homes, that was 2007, 2008. I sold about a third. I sold like 31 houses. Hmm. And I mean, I was a mess, dude. And I was the number one agent in our office, 200 agents. I mean, I was, I had to tell my assistant to hold this check a couple of times when you're wow. young, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know. And so anyway, so yeah, it was brutal, man. I mean, I listed 187 for sale by owners in 2008. And I think I sold 15 of them. I mean, I was these people's wow. best chance and I was a terrible option. It's just hard. Everybody was upside down 20%. It was so hard to sell a house. And I just worked. I just, I knew I had to list 20 homes if I wanted to sell one of them. And so I would list 20 homes each month or 40 and try to sell a couple homes. And I survived 2008, 2009. And then finally, 2010, my real estate coach, this guy, Bill Pipes, he sat me down. I just said, dude, I don't want to do it like this anymore. I'm done with this. And he said, well, he's like, well, what do you want to do? I said, I want to travel the world. I want to throw the best parties. I want to be friends with the top people in my community. I want to do all these things. He goes, let's set up a business around it. And so that's what I kind of designed and did. And that's kind of how my business started going. I just basically made a list at that point. Of, he goes, who do you know that has money? I go, nobody. He goes, well, who do you know that has money? But it literally, I didn't know anything. Yeah, I've been, know been, been there, bro. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> literally, not one. He goes, who do you yeah. know that has money? Maybe you don't know them, but you know of them. So we made a list of 15 people. He said, we need to match. Literally, we played like the Kevin Bacon game, dude. Like, who do you know that knows them, that knows them? They can get you to meet them so you can sell them investment property. And within a year, using my you know networking principles, I had sold 14 of those 15 people at home. And I started building this really amazing network that just from there just took off. And, you know, I started doing these huge trips where we'd go to the lake houseboats and we'd get a couple hundred people at a time sometimes. And I would host all these parties and I'd host all these charity events. And I started doing all these things and just kind of became the, the networked person in the community that everybody relied upon. And because of that, I was able to really build some amazing relationships and friendships and build up, you know, what I think now is I'm just got to be probably the best network in the state of Utah. So. so let's talk about that for a second, because there's a lot of high level talk in what you were just saying in terms of not a lot of details. So let's talk details on, on one of those events specifically, maybe if you can think about one of the events that you're particularly proud of, or maybe you had a good time at or something like that. What was the thought process that went into it? How much money were you spending on hosting these events? And what were you hoping to get out of them? All right. So I'll tell you about one of my first ones I ever did. So 
I was a single guy and I was kind of feeling bad for myself. It was Christmas time uh, coming up. I think we just had Thanksgiving and I'm like, I want to do something cool this year. And I was like, what if I did sub for Santa for a couple of families? So I said, what could I do? And I'd heard about a date auction somebody had done before. And I said, you know what? This would be a great way to meet all the like college football players here in town. This would be a great way to meet all the hottest girls in town and we can raise some money. I'm like, this is perfect. So I throw a date auction and I start calling and hitting up all the hottest girls in town. Cause you know, you want to get girls that guys couldn't otherwise get a date with. So I ended up getting 15 girls that are just total beautiful women, high value women. Then I reached out and I started getting like the star of the BYU football team, the star of the basketball team, guys that were playing on the Utah Jazz, the uh, dudes like model guys in town. I get them all to participate for this sub for Santa auction. Then I got all these different restaurants to donate all the dates and stuff like that. Well, I throw this party thinking our goal was to raise 1500 bucks, do sub for Santa for two families. We ended up raising like $32,000. So we ended up getting sub for Santa for like 200 kids. Meanwhile, I put a thing on Facebook and I said, Hey, I want to know who, this is 2011, I think. I said, who would never ask for a handout but need some help this year? Your cousin, your aunt, your neighbor, whoever. And I get 200 kids that we end up spending the next month. And then I get another 50 people to help me throw the party, get another 50 people to help me wrap and deliver presents. I brought together the entire community. It was like on the news all the time. I brought together, like, in fact, one of the guys that I was already friends with, but we weren't as close, was a guy by the name of Kyle Van Noy, two-time Super Bowl champion for the Patriots. He just signed a big deal with the Dolphins. Well, me and him got tight. At that event, I invited Miss Utah, Marissa Powell, and she came. Her and Kyle ended up meeting at that event. They're married now. And that's where they like, you know, connected. And so like me and Kyle nice. ended up becoming best friends. He ended up living with me. And I ended up, you know, when he went and won the Super Bowl with the Patriots the first time over the Falcons, I got to, I got a field pass. I got to go down on the field with him and his wife. Like, I mean, he's, he's like my brother. And so like that all came from that one event, not to mention, like, if you're trying to be a real estate agent and build a network, go give Christmas to somebody's neighbor or sister or cousin that couldn't afford it and wait and see what you do as far as creating raving fans, not to mention it was the best Christmas of my life. We had story after story of these families just crying. And at that time, there was a lot of poverty. There was a lot of people that didn't have money. Anyway, long story short, that one event probably brought me 200 raving fans, 100 new friends, and 10 or 20 just high, high value relationships that I didn't have otherwise. Yeah. And that spawned into an annual thing where I ended up started doing it for Operation Underground Railroad. And we've raised over a million dollars now to help rescue kids from child trafficking. It's a black tie gala now. You know, Rudy Gobert, the all-star center for the jazz, hosted it with me a couple of years ago. The attorney general for Utah, one of my best friends I met through that group is a guy named Paul Hutchinson. And he runs a $25 billion fund here in Utah. Like I met all these people from that, started from that one stupid little charity event I threw all those years ago. So Stuff like that is like practical things that anybody could, by the way, you said, how much did it cost me? It cost me a dime. I got everything donated all the time, all the people helping. Everything was free. I just had to put the effort towards doing it and be the person that, you know, made it all happen. So this is something that I'm really big on, bro, which is differentiation. You were in an industry that is quite possibly the most saturated industry in the country, right? Like literally two everybody. Two million realtors, um, dude. Two million. And There's their aunt. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and, their, and their PE teacher is also a real estate agent on the side. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of reasons for, for people to give business to other people. So for you to be able to get into that industry and then give people a reason outside of your real estate expertise 
to want to use you as their real estate agent, that's what it's all about right there. And that is, I wanted you to talk about that. And I figured that most of it would have been for free and that you didn't even have to take a bunch of the risk yourself anyway, because it's a totally helpful event that you weren't trying to profit on. There's so many valuable things that came from that and it didn't cost you a dime. And yet there are so many people who are wondering where their next you know, transaction is going to come from. Just start being that staple in the community. Start figuring out ways to differentiate yourself outside of the expertise in the industry, right? Because that knows no bounds. There's so many people that can have real estate knowledge, right? So if you can have real estate knowledge and have some form of an, another benefit that comes along with doing business with you, then you're going to be, you're going to start becoming the clear choice for people when, they, when well, it comes to buying or selling a home. Yeah. And that's the whole thing is it's, it's Zig Ziglar said this 50 years ago, but you know, if you do enough to help other people get whatever they want, you're going to get everything that you want. Yeah. Like these trips that I throw, these vacations that I put together, everybody pays to come. I just become the person that puts it together mm-hmm. and like, we'll get a hundred people on three houseboats and we'll get six wakeboarding boats and we'll go down there for four or five days. And you end up walking where there's something special happens when you work through charities together. When you go and you give Christmas to kids up at the hospital, a special bond is formed. When you go on a vacation with somebody and you spend that time around a campfire at night or you spend that time, whatever, you know, boating together, there's a special bond that's formed. And so I just always put effort into kind of giving people like really cool moments, like really cool memories, like creating you know, experiences like that. And then people start reaching out to me. Like there was a guy in town owns one of the biggest companies in town. And this was probably six or seven summers ago. He goes, Hey, I know you're the Lake Powell guy. I'd love to have you. I'm, I want to host a big trip for all my top people. Would you, if, can I pay you to host it? I said, you can't pay me, but I would be happy to do it as a favor and just get to know all your people and do that for you. And he's like, are you serious? So I ended up doing that. Long story short, he ended up writing a book. He actually put a part in it about me in the book and networking. But I've probably sold 40 or 50 homes to people that were in that group as opposed to getting five grand for hosting them for the weekend. Yeah, something stupid right. like that. I just did the event and him and I become close, close friends ever since. But the point is, is, you know, look for opportunities to serve and do things that you like doing. That's one of the things where if you're passionate about something, like if you're passionate about coaching or baseball or basketball, like do it and like do it at a level that nobody else is doing it and create ways to, you know, have those, like where you become somebody that everyone in the community goes, man, this guy's giving me so much value. I wouldn't dare not use him as my real estate agent or whatever this service might be that, that you have. Right. Yeah. And I love that. What Gary V says about that when he says, um, when he says, I want to give people so much value for free and I want to give so much to where whenever I have an ask, those people will feel almost guilty if they don't help me out with the one thing that I need help with. You know, like it, when, that, and that's why he's a multiple New York Times bestselling author. Because every time he comes out with a book, he has millions of people that consume all of his stuff for free all the time that have maybe even changed their lives or businesses because of it. So when his book comes out, it's like, man, I would feel guilty for not paying 20 bucks to get Gary's book. Yeah, it's something and it's totally the same thing. The law of reciprocity will always remain constant. So yeah, totally on the same page with you, man. Let's talk a little bit about content creation and podcasting, because that's just another differentiating factor that you've been able to use to your advantage, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, we live in an era where like you have access to people that you never had access before. If you do something that again has to help them with their life, you have to create some value for those people, but you have avenues now to do it. So for me, it was about four years ago, I was at a Tony Robbins seminar making my goals for the 2017, I think. And I was like, um, I was like, I need to come out with a podcast that has at least 10,000 listeners per episode. That was my goal. 
And the whole point of that was, I said, I have so many people that I get to be around that are special, like, you know, that are doing amazing things. And I want to expose that to other people that I knew and create that value for other people in my life. And I, so I, I ended up starting the podcast and it's just like anybody that, you know, I sucked at the beginning, but I had some really amazing guests and little by little, I started putting all these different influencers I was friends with on there and it grew. And, you know, within, I think by episode 13, we got over that 10,000 mark and it's just grown from, we're over 210 episodes now, but I've been able to interview some of like my favorite authors in the world. I've been able to interview so many amazing people like my childhood. I had two people that I had a poster of them on my walls, a child that have been on my podcast, Dale Murphy and Ty Detmer, uh, who won the Heisman Trophy here in, at BYU. And I mean, it's just like you get all these amazing people and the value, like every single podcast, I'm getting so many people will message to me and they're telling me about what they learned and what they liked about it and how it helped them and all these different things. And you start to realize, you know, my girlfriend, she is a high, dental hygienist and she goes, I have this kid that comes in Every other Friday, he comes in to help out with their office and something. And she goes, every single time, he just tells me everything I learned from your boyfriend's podcast. And like, I don't even know who this guy is. I'll never meet him. There's so many people. I could, but it's like, I know there's value driven. Like I got in a really bad accident two weeks ago. I had over 100 people message me that I don't know, like saying that they were so glad I was okay, you know, and all these different things. And I was like, it's really cool. You never know how much influence you're having or how many people you can affect. And the key is, is like, if you get out of your own head and you just go, you know, I don't care if I ever make a dollar off this. I don't care if most people hate this. I'm going to do this and it's going to be a, a value driven thing. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm going to do it for people. And so much comes out of that because when you're putting that good out, that's the way the universe works. That energy finds you. It comes back to you. And, and you know, that's karma or whatever you want to call it. But, and so that's kind of why I started the podcast. And now, I mean, it's been awesome. We've had millions of episodes or millions of downloads and different things. And it's been really fun to just have that avenue where if I do meet somebody really cool, like at the mastermind we went to, Prince EA is my favorite guy. He's my favorite influencer. His message of love is the best I've ever seen. And I met him there. And I wanted to keep a relationship going. And I'm like, shit, I got to create some value for him. And long story short, him and I have become really good friends. He wrote one of the blurbs for my book that's coming out next month. And him and I have been talking about and me having the podcast and having an avenue for him to like be interested to share his message and what he's doing was one of the main things that allowed me to keep a relationship going. Because what am I going to just talk to him about real estate in Utah? You know what I mean? Right. So yep. you have to have something where you can keep those relationships going. Like Cody Sperber is, you know, a guy in Arizona and I wanted to meet this guy forever. I had a mutual friend who set me up to go do the podcast. He ended up spending like two and a half hours with me. I freaking love the guy. And I'd always yeah. thought he was kind of quirky on his abs. and like, I don't know if I like this guy. <laughs> yeah. I go, I go down and meet him. I've never like liked a guy more in my freaking life. I'm like, this yeah, guy is one of the super coolest cool, homies I've ever met. Couldn't be yep. cooler. And yep. I would have never even met him without the podcast. I would have just been watching his stupid YouTube ads popping up. And <laughs> yeah, right. Instead, this guy's like a close friend of mine now. And like having those relationships, guys like Dan Fleischman, like I had never met you without the podcast because that's how I met Dan who introduced yeah. me to the mastermind and everything else. So it all works. And we live in a world where you got to be willing to put yourself out there and create value some way for people to, to want to have that connection with you. Yeah, so true, man. It is the perfect value adding excuse to connect with the people that you want to connect with. And, uh, yeah. and you've definitely proven that time and time again. So I got to ask you this question, bro, before we, before we take off here. It's the one that I've asked every guest that's ever come on. So I'm curious to hear what you have to say about it. Who you know or what you know, Jimmy, which of the two is more important and why? 
100% who you know. I'll give you one good example real quick. And honestly, no one cares what you know. People only care how they feel when they're with you. So nobody gives a shit what you know anyway. You can be the right about everything in the world. Congratulations. Like you're not gonna have any friends unless you know how to deliver it in a way where people still like you. So, but who you know is so valid. Like one of the, my closest friends, a guy by the name of Trevor Milton, he started a company, you said it in the intro, called Nikola Motors. And dude, I know nothing about electricity. I know nothing about all the engineering, all the things that would require somebody to be a part of that company. I know none of it, zero. But I knew Trevor and I saw his genius. I knew he was a genius. And long story short, when it was just an idea in his head, I begged him to let me be a part of the company. And so I was one of the original founding members of that company on the original documents when there was five of us there. I was just one of the seed investors, but I was able to give him my life savings five and a half years ago. Well. We just, the stock is now valued at over $12 billion. The company is, I mean, I, for what that's going to do for me and my life and my family, everything generationally, honestly, is going to be amazing. I can't cash it out for another six months. But that one connection to that one guy literally will change more lives because of what happened through that company than anything I ever could have learned on my own and taught and built on my own. Like, I just wasn't going to be able to do that that one connection to have that guy and to have him trust enough in me to let me be a part of it. Cause he wasn't looking for money. He'd rolled his last company into it and uh, he let me do it as a friend and created generational wealth for me and those that are going to be closest to me. And who knows how many lives I can now touch, be, you know, be, once I have time to kind of free myself up to really share the message I want, as opposed to just, you know, selling houses every day for the rest of my life. Sure, man. I have so many things here, bro. That is such a great conversation and a perfect way to end it there. I know you have a book coming out, so let's talk about that. And because uh, by the time this episode comes out, probably the book will be out. So it is called The Next Wave of Influence in Real Estate. Can you tell us a little bit about that book and then also where we can find a copy? Yeah, yeah. So my last book, so I had a book come out last year called The Next Wave of Influence in Real Estate. That's the book you're referring to there. I have my next book. It'll be my second book. It's coming out sometime summer 2020, probably in July. So I don't know when this podcast hits, but it's called You End Up Where You're Heading, The Hidden Dangers of Living a Safe Life. And it basically follows my path, but, and then it uses a lot of people that I've met along the way that people like Trevor and people like just all these amazing people I've had in my life, but it follows the hero's journey. Like back in the day, you know, for thousands of years, the safe choice was to be a settler, to kind of just hunker in, to build walls, to protect yourself from outside people and animals and everything else. And then all the explorers would go out and they'd never come back. They'd all die off. Even the successful ones would die eventually. But the times have really changed and playing it safe is now the dangerous route. Like to go to work, sit in the car, sit in the office, sit in the cubicle, get a check, go on a vacation once a year. Hopefully you have money. And then something like this. And so like I really show in the book how people that follow their dreams and people that are willing to, you know, really go for it and risk a lot in their own lives are where all the rewards are from and how really the hidden dangers are in playing it safe. And so that's what the book's all about. It's a book that is for everybody as opposed to just a real estate book, but that comes out sometime mid to late July. And again, it's called you end up where you're heading the hidden dangers of living a safe life. Love that. So you can find that on Amazon or is there a specific landing page or something you want to send people to? Yeah, so I went through Scry Media, who did David Goggins' book. So it's actually oh, cool. going to be on Amazon. It'll be, I'll have links on my website. And, and my website where you can get that will be end up where you're heading. And then also you can get the Audible version. There's going to be on Audible as well, an audio Perfect. version of it. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be awesome. Really cool, man. And then what's the, what would you say the biggest like social platform you spend the most time on just if people want to go connect with you and learn from you and consume some of the stuff that you're putting out there? Yeah. So Instagram is my main one, Mr. Jimmy Rex, MR Jimmy Rex. And I actually answer 
anybody asks me questions on there, I'll get to you eventually. I love responding to people on there. I do a lot of, I train a lot on there. I show a lot of what my life is, what I'm trying to do. And so I would love to connect with anybody on there. Mr. Jimmy Rex, that's definitely the best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. At Mr. Jimmy Rex over on Instagram. Guys, go connect with these people. It's so funny, bro. Like I'll have people all the time ask me about how I get connected with some of the people I get connected with. And it's so sometimes blatantly obvious that people that people just don't realize that, they, that you're even accessible. You know what I mean? So, you know, you just told everybody that if you, if they message you, that you will respond. It might take you a while, but it, you will respond and you will get to it. And that's something that you do. And, and yet there's going to be so many people that listen and don't take advantage of that and don't ever try to reach out and connect. So if you're listening to this right now, don't be one of those people. Reach out to Jimmy, tell him what's up, tell him you heard about him here on the show and uh, get a question answered or book a podcast interview or try to have a further conversation. Get to know some of these people that we're bringing here on the show. Jimmy, thank you so much for taking the time, brother. I'm looking forward to the next time we get to hang out in person um, and really enjoyed this conversation as well. Dude, likewise, man. We got to go get Vegas. We've opened up our restaurant again, Mas Por Favor. So I'm going to come down and get some tequila and tacos, my friend. Yes, let's do it. Looking forward to it, my man. All right, take care. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.